your life unto him. And the more you do that, the less people see of you and the more people see of him. Praise team, thank you for, for confirmation. Can we get a drummer some? I'm loving Miss Terry on the drums right now. <laughs> Praise team, thank you. It is, it is always an honor to allow you to minister to us before, before we minister. So glory be to God for you all. Uh, to my pastor, thank you, man. Thank you for trusting me to trust him with this because it's not something I can do in and of myself. And I recognize that, I'm recognizing that. So thank you for your friendship, thank you for your brotherhood, thank you for your fatherhood. And just thank you for who you are in him. To my wife, uh, my rib, my best friend under heaven, I love you, I thank God for you, and uh, man, you have no idea just how much of a blessing you and our daughter is to me. I learn more about God each and every day from the two of you all, and I thank God for you all. And to my family that's in the audience, I bless you all, thank you for always having my back, for always supporting me. I greatly appreciate you and I love each and every one of you. <sighs> let's let God work, amen. Let's, let's, let's let God go to work. If you have your Bibles with you, our scripture for today is coming out of the book of John, chapter 14, verses 15 through 20. John chapter 15 verses John chapter 14 verses 15 through 20 reading out of the NIV version and it reads as such in our hearing if you love me keep my commands and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever the spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. And this is the focus of our verse, of our text today. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. You may be seated in the presence of God. The thought that God gave me for this morning is lost and found in Him. Lost and found in Him. Heavenly Father, even now, do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Right now at the Last Supper, Jesus is at a pivotal moment with his disciples. Judas has just run off to betray him to the Jewish council. 
He's just told Peter that before the rooster crows, he will deny him three times. They're about to make their way to the Mount of Olives in the Garden of Gethsemane. And here they are at a calm before the storm, at a quiet before the chaos. And Jesus has given them a truth that is so critical, so crucial, and so essential to who they are that it will serve as the foundation for who they've been called to be and what they've been called to do. He promises them two things. Not only does he promise them the presence of the Holy Spirit, but he promises to give them a key revelation that will be made known to them because they have the Holy Spirit. Are y'all with me? He promises that because they have the Holy Spirit, they will also have this truth. In verse 20, he says, on that day, you will know that I am in my Father, that you are in me, and that I am in you. So pivotal, so crucial, so essential to who we are as Christians because it is the source of our identity. It is the source of who and what you and I have been called and created to be, which is now at the core of who we are. Jesus is telling them this at a time where they need to hear it the most. Because right now they have reached a point where they're at their most vulnerable, their most uncertain, the most lost they've ever been. And he's bringing them to the understanding that what will be given to you did not come from you. You have everything that you need to do and be. You have everything that you need in order to do what you need to do in order to be who you've been called to be. And it is from a source that is beyond you. Why? Because when you operate in the gift that I've given you, anytime that people see you, they'll see me. They'll see me. And anytime they see me, they'll see the one who sent me. Jesus is saying the exact same thing to us today. That for those of us that have received him, we have everything we need to walk in who we've been called to be and what we've been called to do because the gift that has been given to us did not come from us. Are y'all with me? It is from a source that is beyond us so that as we walk in what God has given us and who God has given us, when the world sees us, they see the Father. But in order for that to happen, we need to have the same revelation that Christ promises to his disciples. We need to understand that Christ is in the Father, that we are in Christ, and that Christ is in us. Because that revelation is the cornerstone of what we believe, who we've been called to be and what we'd be called to do, it begins with the conviction that Christ is in the Father. Earlier in the supper, Jesus is talking with his disciples and Philip makes a request to Jesus in verse 8. He says, Lord, show us the Father and that'll be enough for us. Jesus gives him a strange answer in verse 9. He says, Philip, I've been with you all this time, and you still don't know me? 
Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I don't speak on my own. It is the Father dwelling in me, performing his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on account of the works themselves. Huh? Jesus, what are you talking about? I asked you to see the Father. Why are you saying that you've been with us this long and we still don't recognize you? We recognize you. What do you mean? Jesus is describing a relationship with God that defines our purpose as Christians. He's saying that because of who God is, he has surrendered to the Father to the place where he abides in the spirit of the Father and the spirit of the Father abides in him. So much so that now, whenever we see Christ, we see the Father. Jesus depended on God so heavily that he never spoke or acted out of his own accord. Every word that he spoke, every action that he took, it wasn't him. It was the Father in him performing his works. That's why he told his disciples, if you don't believe me, at least believe the works. Because Jesus understood and the disciples would understand that I can't do this in and of my own accord. These works are of his father, which could only be performed by his father, which means that I have to be dwelling in the father and the father has to be dwelling in me. Otherwise, this would not be possible. Because even though Jesus was fully God and fully man, he defended, he depended on the father so closely that he would not act without allowing the Father to act through him. Doesn't he want the same thing for us? Doesn't he want that kind of dependence from us? Does he wa doesn't he want us to trust him to the place where he has to work in us and for us because we know we can't do anything in and of ourselves? Where we don't act or move or think without him because we know it is him doing it in us, for us, and through us. Because of Christ's obedience to the Father, that type of dependence is available for us to walk in and to grow in. It's available for us to mature in once we have received Christ. Why? Because when we receive him, he receives us. Let me say that again, because somebody didn't catch that. When we receive him, he receives us. What does that mean? It means that now we are so wrapped up in him, so clothed with him, so covered with him to the place that when the father sees us, he sees Christ. When people see us, they see Christ because now not only does he dwell in us, but we dwell in him. And just as the father performed his works through Christ, because we are in Christ, he will do even greater works through us because dwelling in Christ means that we are now clothed with the spirit of Christ himself, the spirit of the son of the living God. Let me prove it. In ancient Israel, one of the signs of sonship meaning 
one of the signs that you belonged or were the son of a man with authority and influence was the fact that you were clothed with a robe. The robe was a symbol of your identity. It was a symbol of your belonging. It was a symbol of your sonship. That's why when Jesus talks about the parable of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, he explains that after the son comes to himself and returns from separating himself from the father, while the son is still a long way off, scripture says his father saw him and was filled with compassion and ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. The son declared, Father, I have sinned against you and sinned against heaven. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring me the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. The robe that was put on the son didn't just represent a change in the son's thinking. It represented a change in his nature. It represented the change in the core of who he was. That's why the father says, let us feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he is found. There was a transition and a change in the core of who he was. And so the father clothed him with a robe to show him he is mine. This is my son. He is clothed with me. Jesus uses this parable to show us a picture of us. Showing us that we were once separated from the father by our own sin. But when the Holy Spirit brought us to the place where we came to ourselves, where we knew where we are in need of him, where we knew we couldn't save ourselves, where we knew it had nothing to do with us. When we came to ourselves, we were prompted to return to the father. And while we were still a long way off, while we were still so far gone that no one else could find us, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So that the father could see us and filled with compassion, run to us, embrace us and clothe us with Christ, clothe us with the spirit of sonship, declare us as sons, declare us as kings, declare us as royal priesthoods, declare us as righteous, declare us as his. First John chapter three, verse one says this, it says, behold. What manner of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Before the foundation of the world, he crucified Christ as the sacrifice for our sins and as the bridge that covered the very thing that distanced us from the Father. So that when we receive Christ, He received us. And when he received us, he clothed us with the righteousness of Christ so that now when people see us, they see Christ. Because we are hidden behind his glory. We are hidden behind his righteousness so much so that now when the father sees us, 
he sees Christ. And when he sees Christ, he sees himself. Mm. Because we have received the Holy Spirit, because we have received the Spirit of Christ, not only do we live in him, but now he lives in us. And because he lives in us, we can trust him to do what he does and be who he is in us, for us, through us. It's funny that the praise team said this best. He that began a good work in you is faithful to complete it because he is performing his work in us, for us, through us. Here Jesus is at the Last Supper, and in verse 18, he says something to his disciples. Check this out. Watch this. Watch this. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. Did you, did you catch that? I will not leave you as orphans. That's funny because an orphan is a child that has no parent. Orphan is a child that has been abandoned by the ones that were charged with their care charged with loving them, charged with taking care of them. So Christ says, that's not going to happen to you. I know what's about to happen. I know what I have to go through. I know where I'm going. That will not happen to you. More importantly, in verse 23, he says, if anybody loves me, they will keep my word. My father will love him. And check this out. We will come to him and make our home with him. The fact that the Holy Spirit lives in us, which, the presence, which is the presence of God the Father and God the Son, it does two things. One, it gives us the strength, the ability, and the faithful obedience to keep his word because we do not have that strength in and of ourselves. Galatians chapter two and 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is not I that live, but Christ lives in me. So the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith unto the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. The second thing it does, it testifies to the fact that we are the children of God, which means there is a patient expectation and ever-living hope that is on the table for us. Romans chapter 8 verses 15 through 17 say, For you did not receive a spirit of slavery that returns you to fear, but you have received the spirit of sonship by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Because we are the children of God, we are heirs with Christ to the kingdom that belongs to the Father. And the Holy Spirit is the assurance of the fact that we are his children and that as his children, we are seated with him in heavenly places. We are citizens of his kingdom. We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood called out of darkness into his marvelous light. The Holy Spirit is proof of that. Colossians 1 and 13 says he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption 
and the forgiveness of sins. Because we are heirs and citizens of God's kingdom, that means the fullness of the glory of the presence of God and the fullness of the glory that will be revealed in us when we see him. Because when we see him, we shall be like him. The fullness of who he is, which has not been revealed yet, and the fullness of who we will be has not been fully revealed yet. When we see him, we will see him face to face. We will see him as he is. That is an expectation that we have to look forward to because Christ promised us to bring us into it and give us his spirit, gives us the Holy Spirit as an assurance of the promise. Scripture says that is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. Well, what do you mean the redemption of the purchased possession? What are you talking about? What does that mean? I'm talking about you. I'm talking about us. I'm talking about the fact that he paid the price for us. He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and he is coming back to bring us back unto himself. Well, how do you know that? What proof do you have? Come here, Jesus. Explain something to me. Make this plain. How do we know that you are going to do this in my father's house? are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back to bring you into my presence. And where I am, you will be also. That is a promise. That is a promise. That is an expectation. That is a living hope. Because we serve a living God who has made us alive again in him. This is not something that we believe haphazardly. This is the cornerstone of who we are. This is the cornerstone of what we've been called to do. This is the foundation of who and what we believe. So much so that when people see us, they will see him. But that promise only belongs to us if we belong to him. So right now, if you don't know Christ, if you haven't received him as your savior, if you haven't received him as your Lord, if all of this seems foreign to you, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, if this does not apply to you, If you are walking and you are lost, if you are walking and don't know where to go, if you have lost your way, lost your sense of direction, and don't know where to go from here, even if you are saved, that that applies to you. If you have lost the understanding of where you stand with him and who you are to him. I beg you, I beseech you, I'm praying for you. 
I'm praying with you. Acknowledge who he is. Return unto him. Confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart that he came. He lived a perfect life. Died a death that did not belong to him. And rose for you. For me. For us. And because of that, He has given you the right. He has given you the power to be called a child. To be called a child of him. Receive him today. Surrender to him today. Give yourself completely to him today. So that you may know on this day, today, that Christ is in the Father, that now you are in Christ, and that Christ Give God some praise for the word. The reality of the love of Jesus ought to make us cry. Someone said it's the fear of hell. No. It's how much he loves us. And when you get a revelation because it has to be a revelation of how much God loves us and watch this and has put his spiritual divine nature in us it makes you surrender it makes you say Lord forgive me Lord I give you all that I am and all that I have to be. As Christians, when we got a sin problem, it's really a surrender problem. <laughs> it, it's, it's not that you're disobedient, you're disobedient because you won't surrender. And you won't surrender because you don't really see Him to the degree God wants you to see Him.
Because when you see him, you can't help yourself. Talk to your neighbor and say, he loves you more than what you know. He loves you more than you can understand. He loves you more than you can comprehend. He loves you that he gave his all just for you. Give God some praise. Not religion. Relationship with a true and living God that made us for himself. What a mighty God. What awesome God. Hallelujah. I got ministers and deacons that will be standing there that perhaps you don't know whether you saved or not. You don't know if you know him or not. And this is the one thing you have to know. You better know. You don't want to die without knowing whether you know him or not. Because if you don't know him, you're not going to heaven. You're going to hell. Because it's not about how good you are. It's rather Christ is in you. And God sees himself in you. Hallelujah. They will pray with you. God has done everything he can to save you. Someone said, well, if God loves us, why would he send us to hell? No, you choose to go to hell. Jesus is the lifeboat. He sent Jesus to save us, but you got to get in. It's a choice. It's a choice. Today, as we stand, we think just his wife, God bless you. Amen. Give God praise for them and their cute little family. Amen. Hallelujah. His girl is walking all over the place now. <laughs> but these ministers are here. Anytime during from now to the end of service, if you, if you grab one of them, they will be outside by the water fountain at the end of service and talk with them. They will pray with you. If you don't know whether you are uh, part of a church and, and you want to join here, they will talk with you. Amen? There's also time to come to the altar. You know you saved. But you just want to touch and agree with somebody. And you want to come and gather here. But don't come by yourself. Grab somebody with you. Because there's power when we come. There's power when we come together. He says where two or three are gathered in the midst that he is there. Amen. So anybody want to come to altar? Come on. Justin, you want to come and lead us out by prayer? Give God praise for this young man. I used you in a mighty way. Thank you for letting God be God through you today. Amen. Amen. Let us come. Grab somebody's hand. Come to the altar if you want to. We got one coming. Don't let her stand here by herself. Somebody come. 
just to stand with your sister, just to be with her. Because we need one another. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor. I need you. You need me. We need one another as we walk through this together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love, God. Thank you for the fact that you have always had us in mind. So much so that you sent your son to die for us that we may not be separated from you, that we may be called children, that we may be called sons, that we may be found in you. So covered, so wrapped up, so protected, so, so, so in you that when people see us, they see you. That we are redemptive reflections of you. You love us to the place where you gave us yourself, that we may not be lonely, that we may not walk alone, that we may not be left as orphans, that we may be equipped, qualified, called, uplifted, and encouraged because you love us to the place where you now live in us and we live in you. So Lord God, even now, place that truth so deep in our understanding that as we walk, as we go, as we do what you have called and created us to do, that governs how we act, it governs how we think, it governs how we love, it governs, it governs, it governs, it governs, it governs everything that we do. We love you, Father. We uplift you, Father. We glorify your name. We're asking that you continue to see about us, that you continue to protect, that you continue to teach us how to surrender everything that we have and everything that we are and everything that we hope to be to you. To you, Father. Because you love us enough where you will protect and hide everything that we have in you. Our life is hidden in you. You are our source, you are our peace, you are our joy, you are our redemption, you are our everything. In you we live, move, and have our being. So Lord God, even now, we surrender unto you, we give ourselves to you, knowing that you love us, knowing that you care about us, because we are yours. Glory to your name, Father. Honor to your name, majesty under your name, might, dominion, and power under who you are. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Go in peace. Go in peace. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.